Does he ever like big? Big. I mean, I'm not into know? that kind of music, so I don't keep up with that community. But I think so. Yeah. Does he have albums? I don't know. Probably just like individual songs you can download or mixes or whatever. Huh. I don't know. Well, team, uh, if you guys have any, uh, I'm trying to figure out what Skrillex has been up to lately. I, I was sitting here thinking about him and realized I've, I've, I haven't heard anything from Skrillex in about five years. I've always thought Didn't that really was... like him in the first place. I don't know why I'm so concerned about his well-being. <laughs> I've always thought that was kind of a strange profession anyway, though, because uh, for the most part, they just... <laughs> There's Jax, right on cue. For the most part, like DJs just remix other people's music. Yeah. Like, I know some of them will like invent their own beats or whatever, but it's not... Like, oh, I made this song myself. It's mm-hmm. like I blended all these songs together, so it's just a strange profession. Oh, it is. I mean, it works. You got... It, 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 I think it worked better... Like, early hip-hop. You know, like, you had to do that. That's where the beats came from. So you, you, you'd mix the tracks up before you had all the stuff you could do to, to make well, new I think, tracks. I feel like it depends on the environment, too. Like, if I was at a club or something yeah. and a DJ was doing that, like, that's clearly the environment mm-hmm. I'm going for. But, like... When the DJ revolves it. <laughs> but, like, have you ever been, like, listening to the radio? You don't really listen to pop music. So probably not, but like those stations that play like predominantly pop music and then like at some hour of the night, like eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night, they'll be like, this is the remix hour. And then the yeah. whole hour, all they'll do is play remixes. And I'm like, I'm just trying to drive home from work. So I don't you- want to listen to your <laughs> shitty remix. Do you remember that one song you hated in uh, 1997? Uh, yeah. Here's I Want It That Way. Karaoke stuff. <laughs> I always hated that though. Anyway, <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not trying to go to the club on my drive yeah. home from work. No, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't have enough energy mm. to deal with. No, that's that's not true. I, I listen to the Rob Zombie until eight thirty. <laughs> I'm the one who doesn't have the energy. I don't have a Brett was, patience for pop music. Brett was making fun of me this morning because. Uh, I'm hoping eventually one day he'll realize that's just my normal setting, <laughs> but uh, I'm not a morning person no. by any means, and um, I'd only had one little cup of coffee, and uh, we were like getting up and getting ready to go do the grocery shopping, and he was like, you all right? I was like, yeah, I'm just not a morning person, and I was like, not really an afternoon person either. <laughs> not really ever a person with energy. <laughs> you were like, you're like, I don't come on until about six o'clock in the afternoon, and I was like, sometimes. <laughs> He's, like, already at 9 o'clock in the morning, like, giving me a whole concert, like, singing. What was I singing all day today? I, it is now left, left uh, Play that funky music, yeah. white boy. Like, a random points to the like Walmart sh- trip. Shouting it at me as I'm trying to yeah. my, pour coffee yeah. down my throat. Microwaving the quesadillas we made last <laughs> night for lunch today. Play that fucking Anyway, I, I, I never hit my stride. I don't have a stride. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Nightmare Box. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the pop music aficionado, Kristen Pennington. And this is Mistakes Were Made. I did that intro all fucked up. By the Nightmare Box. By the Nightmare Box. Well, I said Welcome to the Nightmare Box, and then I just started oh, introducing you? us. And anyway, Mistakes Were Made. And it's starting early on this this episode here. <laughs> Sorry, frustrated. It's been a day. It's been a day. It's a damn move. You want to go uh, ahead and vent about that real quick, or no, are we just going to skip I'm, it? I'm going to hold it inside me and let it fuel my, my hatred for oh. whatever I have to go off about today. And then if it comes <laughs> out later, then it comes out later. You can all get screamed <laughs> at in the last 15 minutes of the episode. <laughs> I'm going to... Make that a segment on our podcast. Like the last fifteen minutes, Brett's just gonna traumatize yeah. the audience. I just get my mini mic and I just sit here <laughs> while you prep dinner, so you just hear the calm, like chopping of whatever you celery in the background. You know? <laughs> oh, that's what I should have got. I should have got celery like, in the you know into the mini mic. It's just me screaming about whatever's <laughs> pissed me off the most since two days ago when I screamed about whatever pissed me off the It's most. like if you want the, the topic discussion, you, you tune mm-hmm. in for the first 45. If you want to be just traumatized yeah. and crying <laughs> in the corner at the end of the day, yeah. you listen to the last 15. We hit the outro, and then after the outro, we just put in this, and this is why Epstein didn't kill himself! <laughs> 
<laughs> it doesn't make sense because we sold weapons to these people in 1988. It's just a big ass web of confusion. It's like the meme from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia yeah. where he's like pointing at the <laughs> board, like trying to explain it. <laughs> That's you. It's like this one horror movie from 1934 predicted what happened last week to me in the Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> Brett Bloom's Alex Jones hour. <laughs> I can do one of those every night when I came in from work. And uh, I don't think I'd ever get bored of it. No, because uh, you, you try podcast. to do it to me every night that I come home from work. I'm like, I've been at work for 12 hours. Can we not? Can we not discuss the Iranian weapons deals from back in the 70s? Can we just, for one night, I, I gave I gave the cats so much catnip, and they are fucking. Winston's finally discovered it. I just gave. Uh, we don't give the cats the same type of treats because Max is significantly more zen than Winston. So Winston gets chicken flavored treats, and Max gets. I think it's like a variety blend, but all of them have catnip in them. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, Max has been rubbing himself all over the actual catnip and I just gave him catnip treats so they're trying to kill each other right now. <laughs> and Winston has finally discovered the catnip. And Winston turns into a violent crackhead when he's on catnip. <laughs> but then he's like super Max is like Snoop Dogg. He's, he's like developed a tolerance. He's been fucking microdosing catnip for Yeah, I've been giving him those treats life. his whole life. So yeah. <laughs> actually accurate he's been getting those treats his whole life yeah. and like he knows the... he's like the dead head of the cat world where he's just <laughs> like been taking small amounts of lsd for the past 40 years he knows the like sound of the bag though like he used to he doesn't do it so much now that he's got siblings but when it was just the two of us he used to always come running and start crying yeah. at me like please give them to me <laughs> like dude chill just like i'm on, getting them come on man get any more get any more <laughs> shit any more of those catnip treats <laughs> god damn <sighs> I think we just start on a positive note. Kristen is an alcoholic. What? <laughs> that's, that's, that's not true. No, that's not true. Uh, Kristen has been uh, delving into the world of red wines recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm trying to figure out how we can do this without killing both of us. Because my love for red wine has come out hardcore the past two nights and we have been bottling bottles. Well, I've, been, I've been buying the small bottles, though, yeah. not the big bottles. I mean, you gotta, gotta make allotments, gotta start somewhere. <laughs> Can't become a full-fledged wino. You've also been microdosing wine for the past 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm slowly progressing into the uh, less sugary wine, though, yeah. and for the first time ever, uh, I couldn't finish my normal amount no. of wine because I was like, this is Way too potent. Yeah, I was sipping it like a scotch last night. Whichever one we had, it had like a convict's picture on it. Mm-hmm. And like now it's my mission in life to finish, you know, buy every convict. Because the bottle looks so I'm fucking I'm going to go cool. grab it real quick. Okay. Because it is The bottle looks tiny. brilliant. It was such a dry red. I, I, no, I'm not going to grab it because it's too tall for me. What's it called? Uh, 19 Crimes. 19 Crimes? Uh, this one is 19 Crimes, The Uprising, which is, I guess their second edition because yeah. they had a bottle just called 19 crimes too and um the cork which that was a fun little surprise i didn't know that was going to have that on it the cork had like the number five and um the fifth crime apparently of the 19 crimes is impersonating an egyptian is that what it was yeah i, I told it to you last night do you not remember no, that no i i i remember you were you were microdosed on wine yeah i was microdosed on wine <laughs> i was in love with this fucking oh it was brilliant yeah i didn't because um we tried cupcake red velvet, I think, the other day. That was really good. And that yeah. was the first one we tried. And I was like, oh, I'm going to like branch out there and explore new wines. And we've been joking about starting a wine club. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Brett sent me a picture of, I think it was like Seven Moons or something like that. Yeah, I saw it on a Facebook advertisement. And now I guess that's all I'm going to see. <laughs> Just wines. the government's listening to us and trying to sell us alcohol. So I, I went looking for that one just because I was curious, and I like read the label on it, and then I the 19 Crimes one caught my attention, so I grabbed that one instead because the Uprising is aged in a rum barrel, I think yeah. is what it said. So I was like, ooh, was, I like rum. It, it, it was fantastic. The Cupcake one had a... Jax, 
He's out of water. Do seriously. you forever have to just cause massive interruptions? <laughs> I'm gonna give Kristen her wine hour. I'm gonna try to settle the animals. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the picture on it was kind of neat. It was like a old timey wanted poster looking picture, and I was like, oh, like that sounds or that looks neat. I picked it up and I read the back of it. Oh, thank you. Brett just grabbed it for me. I'm too short to uh, get it because it was on top of the cabinet. Um, but yeah, I didn't know that the cork was going to have whatever it has on it. And it's like a little picture of like, I guess the crown and then it says 19 crimes and on the back of it, it just has a number five and it says impersonating an Egyptian. So <laughs> I am, I've made it my life's mission to Work now, like an Egyptian. <laughs> I've made it my life's mission now to see if I can collect all 19 of these. Yeah. So. I'm assuming that's probably just luck of the draw. I'll probably get a couple of number fives and whatever, so we're, we're going to be alcoholics by the time I collect them <laughs> what all. What we need to do is just take pictures of the ones we have and then hunt down the ones we don't have. Well, I think... Or just go over there and buy 18 bottles of wine, and people are like, what are you doing? And it's like, I have a life doll. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... I was at Kroger. Just like the, the marble cigarettes you know used to have the little cards in them and you had to click, click buy all the cigarettes to collect all the really the marble miles really yeah i've never miles. smoked so. yeah you had to get lung cancer for a leather jacket but like <laughs> if you had like 50 and did like, you get a leather jacket my, I, i've got a um, some stuff from my dad i have a uh, towel that dad got and i have i want i might have a jacket it's not a leather jacket it's like a sports jacket that's fun. Um, I know I've got a baseball hat that has Marlboro on it, but they were all bought with Marlboro miles. <laughs> so you, you, yeah, you'd buy the packs, you'd get the Marlboro miles, and then you'd send them in on an envelope, kind of like, you know, uh, this shit that comes in the bottom of uh, cereal boxes mm -hmm. you're used to. Like the box tops yeah. and all that. Yeah, and you could like earn a boat, um, but by the time you got out on the boat, you were like on a Dead. defibrillator. <laughs> right. Uh, whatever the face mask thing is. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I did not know that though. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Made them stop that around the time they got rid of uh, Dick Faced Camel Guy for Camel Cigarettes. Yeah, Dick. Joe, Joe Camel. Did he? Why Dick Faced? Because his nose looked like a penis. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it was masculine. <laughs> so it was a smoking camel who had a penis for a nose that. Was it a cartoon or a real person? It was a cartoon. There are no people camels. <laughs> <laughs> People would accuse you of impersonating no, an Egyptian. I thought, <laughs> I, thought, I thought Joe Camel was just a person's name, but now that you've said that, I remember that the mascot was a camel. Like a literal. Did he actually? I'm going to have to Google it. We had different upbringings. Well, my parents smoked, but I've never. I'm not a. Okay, I get it. We, we are having trouble catching a flow here today, too. But it's okay. Jack's uh, got his walk today, and uh, now he wants to piss on everybody else's party, as he does every time. I'm going to start doing these at 2.30 in the afternoon, and we're just going to become daytime alcoholics. Twice <laughs> a week, we're just getting hammered Well, when we first noon. started, they were at like 3 in the afternoon. Yeah, I don't know what happened to us. We got semi-responsible. We knew we were going to drink on them. We were like, well, we should you know, start them around 4.30, I think I started doing a bath every day on my day off, yeah. and that was what kicked us back, because I didn't used to do a bath every day that I had off, mm -hmm. which I only have two days off, so that's not that frequently for yeah. those listening. She only bathes twice a week. I take showers. <laughs> I just I only take baths on my day off, because I like to live in the bathroom for a solid hour and make Brett wait on me to get done. <laughs> yeah. I think if you took all the time I spent in the shower all week, it would still come think out it, less than one of your baths. I think it would take you an entire year to accumulate the amount of time even just my showers like take for one week. <laughs> like my baths and showers for the week are probably a year's yeah. worth of Brett's showers. <laughs> I'm an in and out kind of human being. I was raised in a military family and then I joined the military. I don't I don't waste a whole lot of time. I'm like, okay, I walked in there, it's not clean, I am clean now. I've had to adjust to that too, because when we first started living together, you were like, Oh, I'm hopping in the shower, I'm like, I'm just gonna lay in bed for a minute and yeah. then I'll get up and get ready and by the time I'm getting up he's done. I'm like, Oh god. Uh, it's, it, it cracks me up on uh, days where we have to go do the grocery shopping 
because we'll get out of bed at the same time. And then I'll get in the shower, I'll get out of the shower, I'll get clothed, I'll get the everything set up to go to the grocery store. So I gotta put the cooler in the Jeep and the coffee in the thermos and then the water thing, put all that in the Jeep, put a Bluetooth speaker, put that in the Jeep, <laughs> smoke a cigarette, let the dog out. And then Kristen's like, I'm ready to go. And I was like, you just had to brush your teeth. Like how long no, does it take be, women to brush their teeth? To be fair, I make the bed first. So that's yeah. what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing while you're in the shower. I'm making the bed and then trying to tame the frizzy bedhead that yeah. is my hair. Takes a minute, so. And then I put you in a Jeep and it and wind that it back out. It's, just, it, it's not even worth the initial effort at some point. It's really not. Between the humidity and the open windows. <laughs> I used to straighten my hair every day. That would just not work out at all in the summer heat. God damn. So our, our apologies team for not really like kind of striking a flow. Um, because of rambunctious animals and frustration with an apartment complex. But, uh. I also had a very intense workout earlier, so yeah, I'm Kristen still coming down home, from that. Yeah, you came home like a fucking cokehead. <laughs> like, you were all spun up. <laughs> I've switched to a new pre workout, and it's uh, a motherfucker. <laughs> I was like an hour into my workout and normally yeah. by then I'm just like oh my god like crawling into my car and I was like I think I still got a good hour left in me I could <laughs> I go some more I could do a whole nother workout <laughs> I'm gonna go do chest day now <laughs> I know I, I did that 15 minutes I ago, legit I thought about do doing some ab exercises because yeah. I did legs today and I was like oh, I could probably do some abs today and then I was like uh, maybe not <laughs> I'm gonna like hate myself tomorrow. Yeah. I think Taryn said my yeah, sister. Like a, like a workout hangover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I went too hard last night, man. Well, I think Taryn, my sister, um, she uses the same pre-workout that I've just switched to. Um, she said the first day that she did it, she did two hours, I mm. think, of legs strictly. Yeah. And then the next day she It'll was like, like crying, <laughs> trying to get out of bed. <laughs> why would you do two hours of just legs like spend the second hour on something yeah, else just couldn't stop <laughs> if i stop moving my heart is going to explode <laughs> i did add like one extra workout to yeah. my leg day but yeah i i felt like i had a full hour's worth of more in me and then i was like i should probably just call it <laughs> before i i kill myself None of these topics seem to line up with anything that's happened in the past couple of minutes here, I don't know. We can just rant age. about the apartment complex. I don't. Just get I, that I, out I, of the I, way. That would be unhealthy. I don't need to think <laughs> about it. I'll deal with it tomorrow. Everything's going to be okay because mm -hmm. it's the only option there is. And as I told you in college, I can either go homeless here or I can go homeless there. And there are mountains there. Um, so that is the more appealing of the two. Yeah, we're still dealing with move stress stuff, so it's been a blah day. Yeah. I mean, it's been a good day, you know? I, um, I had uh, my client that I just finished, you know, the book for. Um, I, I finally sat down. I was supposed to get it done last week. I got it done today, and she's not mad at me or anything. She's in the middle of rewriting her entire book. I'm the least of her concerns. Um, but I got back with her with a, uh, a two-page letter that she basically paid me $5 for. <laughs> Here's your, uh, my, my overall thoughts and you know things to consider moving forward while you do the rewrite. And I was kind of proud of myself because I... I I felt, you know, it wasn't that editor-work kind of relationship, you yeah. know, that I was reflecting on. It was her, as a writer, you know, trying to encourage another person in the field. And I left it off with, if uh, I don't mind if this is your first or your 40th time, welcome to the trenches. You know, every time you dive into it, that's what it feels like, you know. It feels almost like you're going You know, it's going to be hilarious. Like, we've, I have no idea who his client is but we've had discussions before just like speculating who we think she might be and it'd be hilarious if she was like an 80 year old woman who was yeah. like been writing her whole life no, I, 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 <laughs> i'd want her to be young um because there's there's a lot of hope in it but it the this isn't going to make sense to people who don't write or read a whole bunch of you know like 
different kinds of things. Um, it feels like it's written by a young person who's still trying to feel out how to do it. Yeah. It, it feels like the first manuscript the client's done. Like, I picture her as, like, a 15, 16-year-old girl, but it, it would just be super funny if I'm she was, like... I'm putting her somewhere between 15 and 25. Really? But this feels like a first attempt. This doesn't feel like you've got one that just sits, you know, either in your memory or in your desk drawer, you know, that you're never going to touch, but it's the first time that you did it, and holy shit, you know, that's yeah. monumental, but when you reread it, you realized it was the, not that great. <laughs> the irony behind that, though, is that... Um, you know, I, I do hope that she's a, a mm -hmm. young kid because there is kind of that potential of like all this promise ahead of you. But the, the irony of that is that at some point everybody is a first timer, so she could be like. Well, there's a lot of confidence there then, you know, if this is the first time. If this is the 40th time, um, I've got questions. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just saying that she may not necessarily be a teenager and be a first timer. She could hypothetically be a 40 year old divorcee who's like yeah. trying to pick up her life and it's like oh i always wanted yeah. to be a writer and i, I never did book i wrote in my 20s and instead of writing a new one i'm just going to revisit or, or someone who's never written at all and been mm -hmm. like i, I want to revamp my life and like picked up this new hobby so there's just like i and that that concept that she could be a kid just starting out or she could be someone at a later stage in life like trying to reinvent her mm -hmm. life that you can always can always pick start. up a new yeah. thing that you care about and no, the artistic crafts don't care what level you're at you know you, as long as you're honest with the level that you're at you know I'm not gonna walk around swinging my dick at people like I'm Stephen King <laughs> I'm not it's not what I'm trying to do and if that's what it comes off as I apologize it's not good what was Sorry, that? Oh, it sounded like we clinked glasses and we definitely didn't clink glasses. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? I've been fiddling with the cap to your bottle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a drop I invented. That tripped me out. I was like, is there another couple in the room also drinking clinking glasses? That's oh. a drop I created, just an auto clinking of glasses. Oh, it worked. I don't know what the fuck I was talking about. <laughs> that, that startled me. I came to it too clear. Sorry. No, I, I, I you know. <sighs> Get a hold of your child. I don't. I'm not saying that I'm going to walk out there and invite that kid in for cookies. But I'd do it just to scare the shit out of the parents. You know? <laughs> She'd walk out there in a bathrobe with cookies already made yeah. and just be like, Hey, little boy. You want a cookie? Well, what was I saying before the bottle cap and the kid screaming in the hallway? <laughs> uh, the, the arts don't care what stage you're yeah, at. Yeah, they, they don't. You know, what you... You can pick up your iPhone and get a start, you know, at making film. You can pick up a pencil. You don't even need a pen. You, it, if you got anything, you can, you know, make art. It's what I think we're meant to do. Yeah. People get very self-conscious because they level themselves up with the greats, you know. Like, if you woke up every morning and you're like, God damn it, I'm still not Stanley Kubrick. You know? <laughs> I think period. Like... Ideally, I mean, there are some very pompous, very talented people out there who, you know, have a right to be a little cocky, but um, I think ideally, no matter what stage you're at, you're always kind of viewing your art or your passion or whatever with a childlike curiosity of, yeah. like, trying to learn and trying to grow, and, like, I did go to film school, as we've discussed multiple times uh, on this podcast. Film school. <laughs> <laughs> That's an inside joke that none of you know. I'm going to show some father drama. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like, I'm constantly to a point that it looks like I'm just, like, an amateur little teenager sharing shit, posting articles from, like, other people's stuff, especially uh, the website No Film School, which we've talked about mm -hmm. before. And, um, like I, I personally, that's my opinion. Like I feel like that's a good philosophy. Like, even if you are more experienced or you've done more or whatever, to always be like mm -hmm. treating every day like you're just now starting out and just yeah. now like learning and growing and stuff. Like I, I don't 
think there's anything wrong with being confident, but you should never be like, oh, I, I've learned all there is to know. <laughs> so, at whatever stage yeah. said client is at, I... Rembrandt would have shit himself if he walked over to Salvador Dali. You know, <laughs> but we can agree that they're both fantastic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but whatever stage said client is at, I, I think it's cool that she... You know, like cared enough about her passion to be like, oh, well, I'm gonna get somebody else's opinion yeah. and follow this through, and then that was a big thing that I highlighted in the letter. You know, near the end of the thing, like I gave her all the constructive criticism that I could um, inside of two pages because I refused to write more than two pages for five dollars. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> she gave me thirty. I'd, I'd, I'd write her a seven-page letter. Like, I will write exactly you a book about what I think of your book. $5 gets you vague information. Uh, that's, you can't give the college $5. I won't even give you a fucking application. Um, <laughs> Pay more than $5 for the apartment application. Uh, yeah. Um, that's more or less what I, was, what I was getting around to with her was, look, I'm, I'm beyond proud that you're in the trenches like with us. You know? mm. You're not alone. You're not the first person who's ever done this. You're going to go through this process. It's going to be embarrassing. It's going to be prideful. It's going to be humbling. Like You're going to have all these emotions. Because you had all these emotions when you wrote the fucking thing, but you learned so much while you were writing it that the beginning, especially, is going to feel completely alien from anything that you've, you know. By the time you reach the finished project, uh, most of the stuff you've done right now is not going to be there. I think that's another reason, um, which this kind of sort of bleeds into a topic that I wanted to talk about. I think that's another reason I kind of hope that she's younger, though, because um, I don't think by any means you went easy on her. Like, you probably could have, like, been rougher with her, but I don't think you went easy on her, per se. Like, you put her to task, like, mm -hmm. in the work that she sent you, and... Like, I feel like, as a new person, like, that can feel, like, a little... Aggressive. Yeah, well, it can make you feel a little beaten up, but at the same time, on the flip side of the coin, it shows that you took her seriously. It wasn't like I'm going to be like, oh, hey, it's all right, yeah. keep going, you know? Well, you paid me in $35 installments. I had a note for almost every line in 147,000 words. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you... you, you put her to task like showed that you took her seriously but then at the end like you were still like encouraging like hey you're doing good keep it up mm -hmm. and um i mean that was like a thing we were talking about earlier today like kind of like our personal experiences when we were first starting out and like mm -hmm. i'm sure she, she's probably got family you know regardless of how old she is or friends or whatever that are like proud of her think it's cool and whatever but like, just having somebody else around that, like, is encouraging or supportive of her. Because I don't... I don't feel like I ever got, like, discouraged, per se. But I didn't really feel like I ever had a support system. So it took me longer than it really should have to kind of figure out what I was doing and what I wanted to do and when to take myself. Yeah. When did you, as, like, Duncan Trussell puts it in that thing that I like to listen to, step out of the artist closet? Uh... I, th I think we talked about that before on a podcast, but for like, me, this like, this isn't I, a dream anymore. This is a thing that I am actively pursuing. Yeah. Um, I think we've kind of talked about this before on a, a podcast, but, like, I, for me, it was such a long, drawn-out, gradual transition that I don't feel like I can, like, hardcore pinpoint mm -hmm. it to a certain time. But, like, I knew... There was a person that you were like, I'm going to be a filmmaker. Well, like, for me, like, I knew period at a young age. Like, I really specifically enjoyed um, artistic endeavors. Like, I, I'm not terribly good at it, but I used to do, like, pastels and draw and all that kind of stuff. And I'm a little too um, anal, <laughs> if I'm being honest, to do that kind of art. Because I, I would... My oldest sister would like bang out like really elaborate beautiful drawings in like a day or two and I would spend a month on something that in the end looked good but it wasn't like oh my god like I want to buy that you mm -hmm. know and um I was just like I'd, I'd draw and I'd be like no I hate that and I'd like erase it and redo it so like I, I realized in my teenage years that wasn't really where I was gonna <laughs> end up because I was like I, I'm too anal to yeah. do this like I enjoy it but it's it's too much and then 
like I, I enjoyed writing and reading and stuff so for a while I thought like oh that's what I want to do and like I've always weirdly hyper enjoyed um emotionally connective points in films like mm-hmm. if there was like a really intense scene in a movie where the actors were like crying or yelling or it was like a really emotionally uplifting scene I would uh you can act like a man <laughs> what's the matter with you I would, like, rewind it and watch it again because I was just like, oh, like, I feel that, you know? Like, good job. And um, Anytime Al Pacino ever got mad in anything he's ever done is my favorite moment. <laughs> yeah, I always, like, really liked stuff like that for some reason. So I was like, oh, like, I want to be an actor and I want to yeah. make people feel shit, too, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so I did, I did theater for a long time. And then we were talking about that earlier today. I kind of fell into modeling for a little bit. Yeah. And, um... Because you're beautiful and you're effervescent, you're transient, you know. (laughs) I wasn't great at it, to be honest. Like, I was okay, but I, much like the chick we were listening to on the podcast earlier, I I wasn't specifically model material. It was like, oh, like, you're cute, you take cute. Yeah, we were listening to, I can't remember the woman's name, but it was one of the Rogan, one of the Rogan episodes, a female comedian. I think her last name was Letterman, but I don't remember what her first name was. Because I remember... I think it's Annie. I remember but thinking... I'm 100% not <laughs> connected to that name. I remember thinking of the late night host when yeah. you said the names. I think her last name was Letterman. Yeah, I don't think she's going to be mad at us <laughs> and our, you know, dinner table conversation for not <laughs> no. knowing her name. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think... in for Rogan, not for, the, not for a- a- Amy or Annie or... Mrs. Letterman. M- Mrs. Mrs. You are. Mrs. Letterman. Um, but yeah, I, I think I was kind of like her. It was like, oh, like you're cute. You take cute photos, but you're not really a model. And it didn't make me very happy anyway. Like I, I, I never. I felt. can't imagine that it would. Like it has to feel, again, no experience with the modeling industry. Like kind of violated. Like there has to be like the sexual freedom to it, where you're like, this is, you know, fulfilling in in that regard. But I feel like I'd feel dirty. I just didn't feel like a person and I didn't feel personally yeah. fulfilled like I felt you could like put a couple of pieces of fruit on a table and take a really good picture <laughs> <laughs> well like I felt like for me my problem was I never made it really beyond like the local modeling scene I didn't yeah. do like any so international college kids who could afford a camera more or less no I, I actually worked with like a lot of oh, really? um like professionals in the area but I didn't yeah. do like any international modeling or anything like that it was more just like kind of the local scene and I felt like hmm. Um, even though you're technically, I guess, center stage, like it never really felt like I was a person in all of it. Like all of the runway shows, it was like, this is about the clothing that you're wearing. Just don't screw this up, you know? And, um, people would like fuss over you, you know, like your weight, your height, like, and all this. And I I just always felt like very objectified. And then like, in photo shoots and stuff like you kind of run into like a bit of a rut where it's like people like in this area anyway because we live in Nashville it's not really a big fashion hub like we have have the Nashville fashion show which is you know pretty successful but it's not like New York or anything so um as far as Vegas (laughs) as far as the local scene goes um there's a lot of like boudoir photography and stuff like that here and like wedding photography and stuff but um I kept running into people being like wanting to take like risque photos and it was like I don't want to do that stuff like I want to make creative art and like felt like really boxed in and just like I didn't have a voice so um yeah it just wasn't very fulfilling and I thought like oh like I'm gonna be an actor and whatever like all the people we make fun of and um (laughs) Realized as I'm currently rambling on this podcast, and it's probably painfully obvious to all of you, that I have too anxious of a personality type to have people staring at me. Yeah, it's it's not a thing that I've ever <laughs> enjoyed. That's why I'm so curious about it. And my mom's like, do you want to take pictures? And I'm like, do you just want to remember this and be sentimental about it in your old age? Like, good a picture's going to do me. I, I've been here. I don't <laughs> I think let's take pictures of that thing over there so I can remember that thing but I'm pretty sure me in a picture not gonna help <laughs> I think that's where it happened for me though like I was like early 20s and I realized 
just kind of gradually, like it had been coming on for a couple of years, I was like, I'm always really excited because this was when I was still acting and modeling and stuff to get the job. Like, that's very fulfilling. I'm like, oh my God, I landed, whatever. Yeah. And um, that's always fun. Yeah. And then leading up to the night before, you know, I'd always be like, oh, I'm so excited. This is, you know, so amazing, such a great mm -hmm. opportunity. And then the day of, feeling this miserable sense of dread like I wish I could cancel it why did I agree to do this yeah. I don't want to do this and like the whole time during feeling kind of personally like a failure like I'd be like oh like I'm not doing a good job like this isn't turning out that well I shouldn't have eaten that one french fry last yeah. night yeah. so um and yeah I and that stage of my life was probably the skinniest I've ever been and I constantly just felt fat and self-conscious so yeah reassurance you know mm -hmm. on some level it has to be so I don't have a a hard date but I think sometime in my early 20s like 22 yeah or when I kind of stepped out like I guess is like what I really wanted to do like 22 23 sometime in there being like I'm miserable like I don't enjoy this it doesn't make me happy and then photographers that I had like established like great relationships with would contact me and be like hey like we should shoot together sometime soon I've got this idea you know we have a good working relationship I think you'd be great for it and I'd be like yeah yeah like when I'm less busy and I wasn't busy yeah. I wasn't busy at all just looking for a way out. yeah I just didn't want to do it and then I went and ironically that was the first time I ever worked um behind the scenes on anything mm -hmm. uh, when I went to Atlanta uh, I stayed there for like a month and did work as a production assistant. So it wasn't like a, a, a big deal, but you know. How'd you land that one? I had a friend that um, was the assistant director. Like we had uh, worked together on the TV show Nashville mm -hmm. before because I had like done some extra work and some stand-in work for the TV show Nashville. And um, we had gotten to be friends because he was yeah. on the crew for, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what position he held <laughs> to be honest on it, but he was on the crew for Nashville. And um, he was assistant directing this thing in Atlanta. And he was like, well, we're looking for um, people to help out. They're not going to pay you, but um, you can stay at the house and, like, they'll feed you and all that. But, you know, you got to get down here and you're not yeah. getting paid for it. And I was like, ah, well, okay. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. Like, it was miserable. It was winter in yeah. Atlanta. And it was the year that they got, like, a really bad snowstorm. So it was honestly terrible conditions <laughs> and um i did Just not sleeping in cabs of trucks and <laughs> eating sandwiches <laughs> and bags. it was honestly kind of a miserable experience i yeah. didn't get paid i didn't have vacation leave from work at that point so i was like I, didn't, I think i didn't have car payments i still had my old car so it wasn't too hard to scramble yeah. together money but it was like pinching together the tiniest funds that i had to survive the month and i came back for like to know that there was no real money on the other side yeah no and i i was broke broke yeah. <laughs> i came back for like a week in the middle of it to like put in some work and then went back and i, I took because I had a shitty car that wouldn't even make the drive to Atlanta. I took the mega bus. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you want to talk about things smelling like urine. That thing smelled like urine. Yeah, it was I've a, done buses before. <laughs> it was a terrible experience. You're driving experience. through states in a bus. It, it's filled with schizophrenics <laughs> and old people who can't stop shitting yeah. themselves. <laughs> it was not, not a positive experience at all. But I really enjoyed it. And mm -hmm. I, like if I had to pin it somewhere that was like my defining point where I was like I, I don't you I'm accidentally not. got thrown into the trenches and <laughs> yeah. you were like I think this is the greatest <laughs> yeah and I'm not a morning person as we were talking about earlier and there'd be like 5 a.m call times which means I've got to get up at like four or, mm -hmm. or, or earlier and I would be just be like this is so great guys <laughs> like I'm so excited for the day let's get this done <laughs> I'd be like standing outside in the freezing cold like i'm so excited to be here i, I, I don't know what i'm doing yet what's that guy's job what is a gaffer <laughs> no and that's honestly literally what was happening like i think that was part of why i enjoyed it because it was such a low budget film that the crew kind of like felt like a family like everybody was like really friendly and nurturing with everybody and um they there was like a assistant like a second assistant director it wasn't the guy that gave yeah. me the job but there was like someone else that i'd never met until i went 
to work on that set, and he'd just randomly be like, he'd point out something, and be like, so what's that thing? And I'd be like, I don't... <laughs> like I he's don't know. teaching you Spanish? Yeah, yeah, no, but that's what he would do. He'd be like, so what's that thing called? And I'd be like, fuck if I know. I've like never a, been... A boomer? I, on I the side of the set before. Not the guy holding it. <laughs> and then he'd tell me, and like very briefly explain what it was, and then the next day he'd do it again, and I'd be like, I don't... Fuck if I know! <laughs> well, like, you told me yesterday, what was it? You were so. like that to me on the dolls. I was like, what are, what are those? And she's like, they're lights. They're <laughs> what are those? Those are actors, brother. Her name is not really Allison. I know that might be difficult to comprehend. No, you actually knew, like, for not having done any of that kind of stuff, like, surprisingly more than I would have thought. Like, you probably knew more than I knew on my first day on set. Because, uh, like, I know we've talked about stuff before, and you, like, definitely... Like, had a basic understanding of whatever, whatever the thing was, did. I know a little bit about a multiplicity of horseshit. <laughs> That's interesting. I don't know if I've ever heard the, the bus story. That I took a mega bus? Yeah, or any of. Yeah. You know, it... I, I knew that you worked on a set in Atlanta, and that's how mm. you, you know, came around to it. But my, no, it's a... My parents dropped me off. and. How'd your parents feel about the trip? My mom was not happy. Um, <laughs> she she did the whole like don't get stabbed, like be safe thing. Oh, and it's I was, Atlanta. I tell yeah. everybody who goes to Atlanta, don't get stabbed. I'll tell you the <laughs> same thing if I, uh, you're going to Memphis. If, you're, if you are traveling the southeastern United States, if there is a major rap scene there, don't get stabbed. Try really, really. You're not going to get stabbed in Nashville. It's country music. I will say to my Atlanta. You're getting stabbed. <laughs> I will say to my parents' credit, though, I don't think they've ever been hyper thrilled about uh-huh. the fact that, like, this is what I want to do, and it's not like a well, that's stupid. It's like a well, we want you to be successful type of thing. Yeah. So it's it's not like it's they're, scary, but it's not discouragement. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not like they're like oh, we don't believe in you or whatever. It's like oh, well, you're so smart. We you could be a doctor if you wanted to be a doctor, and I'm like, but I don't want to be a doctor. Yeah. So, uh, to my credit, my parents' credit, they drove me... My mother looks at me and starts with, you're never going to be a doctor. Oh, so, <laughs> that's sad. She's right, I can't. I've got the shakes early in the morning. Oh! Aw. Degradation. Go ahead. Uh, to my parents' credit, though, uh, they did drop me off at the bus stop and they picked me up when I came back for oh, that week brilliant. and then they dropped me off again when I had to go back and then they picked me up again when I came back like for good so um they were actually pretty supportive mm-hmm. about it my mom was not happy that I was going but I was like look I'm going do you mind dropping me off One at the bus the stop you <laughs> <laughs> can either share this experience or not so and they like waited with me it wasn't like well good luck you're on your own like yeah. they waited until like the bus was there for me to get on the bus and all that so it was pretty cool i think they got me breakfast the first morning that i like left and everything that's awesome so yeah and i i skyped them from the house that I was staying at, like the first week that I got there, it didn't end up being a regular thing, but I like yeah. Skyped and like talked to them, uh, like after I've been there for a couple of days. So that, that is a fucking brilliant story. <laughs> I slept on it, which is why I have an air mattress in the back of my car. I slept on an that, air mattress yeah. that whole month. No, so. That has forever confused me. Like, <laughs> why do you still have an air mattress? Yeah. So for like sets when you go to set because you don't know it's like we're not going to set well we'll repack the truck <laughs> if we find a place where we're going to sleep over Kristen has forever had this air mattress yeah there's an air mattress and a spare pillow yeah. in the trunk of my car it's like it's not a sleeping bag it's not like the car broke down and I can sleep on the side of the road like if Kristen breaks down on the side of the road and has to sleep there for the night she has to get a pump no it, <laughs> it, it pumps I would need an outlet so I'd need an electrical outlet but if you plug it in you turn it on it fills itself up. I got a fancy one. It's only a single bed, so uh, Brett and I would have to sleep very cozy if we ever needed to sleep I'll, on it. I'm but... gonna pass out in the back seat like a man. <laughs> but yeah, I keep uh, an air mattress and a pillow in the back of my car, and that's where they came from. Like whenever I went to uh, Atlanta, there wasn't a bed for me, but yeah. there was a room for me to put an air mattress. So uh, that was what I slept on the whole month that I was there. <laughs> <laughs> and it was 
cold as fuck because like <laughs> my my room was like it wasn't technically an attic but you know like the houses that have that upstairs space that's kind yeah. of the attic but they're also insulated the sally's had that and then they had to like remodel to insulate all of it but i remember sleeping up there before they like had that shit fixed fixed yeah, yeah. like the room was insulated but if i'm remembering right i don't think it had a vent in there to yeah. like literally heat the room so it was cold as fuck i had like <laughs> The first no, the first it's night that I the first night that I stayed there, um, I didn't realize it was going to be quite so cold, and I had like a very nice heavy duty pea coat that I've since gotten rid of because it's it got worn out and it was mm-hmm. just old. But uh, it was so cold that I didn't have enough blankets, so on top of all the blankets, I put my pea coat. <laughs> so I was like snuggled under blankets in my pea coat because it was so cold. <laughs> it was not a fun experience, but it was a little life-defining. God damn. Wait, how hammered did you used to get back then? Was not that at all. No? Uh, you no. did that sober? Yeah. <laughs> that's like a... a, a that's how I gauge how insane my life has gotten because like I've had like crazy blowout moments. I've, I've, I've lived something of a wild, you know, little bit of my life so far. And every time I look back, I'm like, well, what was the drinking like? And it's like, oh, we woke up at 10 o'clock and started drinking tonics. And I was like 18. Yeah, it was, uh... <laughs> I was like, there I was laying on a flattened out air mattress no. on my friend's kitchen floor it was some a naked black guy making eggs in the kitchen and it's like what the fuck was I doing it was a family house and there were kids in the house and now it was a like uh, you're in great. bed by a reasonable hour and everybody was just so tired I just because... assume that everybody in that situation is just like drinking whiskey at like noon they're like fuck no this. there was uh probably like five or six of us that were like working crew on the film staying in the house and other than that it was like uh owned by one of the people that was like higher up in the film and he had a wife and kids and stuff and uh we were all just kind of sprinkled out in their spare rooms and then there were two guys that i think were in the lighting department if i'm or the camera department if i'm not mistaken that were sleeping in the basement (laughs) well i went out to atlanta i told you i think we talked about it on here with cooper when we were kids and uh, we had a family that we were going to. We thought we were talking a, a suicide group. I, I, I think we've covered it on here before, so I'll not do a deep dive. Um, but my experience in Atlanta living with a nice Christian family filled with kids still involved a bottle of Jack Daniels in Cooper's backpack. <laughs> we just got hammered in their living room. We <laughs> kept throwing cigarette butts in their fucking garden, and it was like, ah. How did we wind up with these people? <laughs> what about you, though? Like, your first, like, real interaction with, like, this is real, and, like, how did people My, in your life take it? I, I, the people that matter in my life took it very easily. I, I think my first guys I'm doing this, um, I was in the Air Force, sitting up at the BDOC station, which is a base defense uh, operations center. So I was in charge of uh, basically making sure nobody died um, for years in my uh, late teens, early 20s, and it's altered my personality uh, <laughs> forever. Uh, God bless you. Uh, if uh, Charlie Fleiss listening to this right <laughs> now, I love you motherfuckers and I miss you. Um, but no, I was getting booted, and there were two options. There was uh, follow Rodriguez back to California to join the LAPD, go home, and become a writer. And when I found out Dad was sick, it, 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 I, I wasn't able to go, there's no way I'm going to go join Rodriguez. But it was the first time where I was like, I think I could actually go make life as a writer. So I started telling the guys in the squadron. Most of them, like the guys that I still talk to, were like, dude, that sounds fucking awesome. (laughs) But uh, my family's been, my dad wasn't uh, very supportive of it, but I went and did his thing that he wanted me to do, which was sign a contract that said, yeah, go ahead, kill me. And so there wasn't a whole lot he could say about it. Uh, Mom has been the most supportive. You're the most supportive. And... Um, there aren't a whole lot of people outside of that that matter, you know. Like, uh, the family friends all think that, you know, this is something that I, I love and they see that 
I don't have another option. But on the daily, I work in the pawn shop where people who go to the pawn shop to pay their bills tell me that there's no way I'm gonna make it as a writer. And I just have to look at them and go, you're not making it not being a writer. <laughs> it's like you are here every week selling stuff for money. So I think we're in the same position and I've just got better goals, you know. Um, now it's a thing that I toyed around with a lot as a kid and then one day around the time that Barack Obama said we need to basically cut our military in half so we got to send a whole bunch of guys home uh, right around the time that happened I was like well fuck there goes the next 16 years of my life well, like I know you used to guess I'll write at least nobody's going to shoot at me while I'm doing that that'll be great I know you used to, like, write and publish, like, stuff online. Well, I've been doing it since I was a kid. Yeah. yeah, like, before you ever joined the Air Force. Like, when you joined the Air Force, did you think at that time, like, you were done with that? No, I knew it was always going to be a thing that I did in the background, but I just thought it was going to be a thing that I did in the background. Yeah. You know? I had to have these moments where I'm like, well, one day I'll write that, you know, like, thing that I want to do. Um, but when I realized that there was no way that I could just stay in the military for 20 years and do that in the background um, writing kind of was plan B so <laughs> <laughs> like my dad my grandfather his dad and his dad were all like 20 plus year veterans I don't know any buddy in my life who's done what I'm doing you know? yeah uh, but once you're ready to die then you don't die you're it's kind of like, well, fuck it, I guess I'll live the fuck out of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, writing's a lot more solitary. So I, I, I get told a few times a week that it's a worthless goal, but I only get told that it's a worthless goal by people who don't know how to read or don't read. And I think they're the same kind of people. Like, if you don't read, then you don't know how to read. But like, you can read the words, right? You know, but you don't read like I read, you know. So you're not going to notice all the little nuances that I'm trying to portray to people. You're not my audience. Yeah. <laughs> if you work in a gas station, I don't think I give a shit what your opinion is on a whole bunch of things but I'd say the same thing about me working in a pawn shop except I work in a pawn shop and I read and if you come into work I'm looking at the computer screen reading Wikipedia articles or I'm listening to some sort of a historic podcast or I'm writing a fucking novel <laughs> you're not going to walk in there and catch me staring at my phone flipping through titty pictures on Instagram it's not really my thing <laughs> But no, I've, I've, I've met much more resistance at work than I ever met through anybody that I loved. You know, yeah. Whose opinion I gave a shit about in the first place. There are people who tell you you shouldn't be an archaeologist. There's not a whole lot of money in archaeology, but they're just kind of scared because they watch the Titanic and don't want to go be an archaeologist. So fuck those people. <laughs> it is kind of interesting to think about, though, like... Like, we're, we're all kind of slaves to the machine, like, they... Yeah, Pink Floyd told us that shit a long time ago, like, way before I was born. But, like, I All mean, in all, y'all just, uh... Outside of, like, right. being a doctor or a nurse or, like, a profession like that that's, like, specialized or an engineer that's, like, specialized and you make pretty good money doing that, like, the pinnacle of success and just the average American life is, like, oh, like... Money. You're a manager at whatever store or whatever, and that's like considered. Like I might you've had die a good as life. a manager of a Walgreens, but I guarantee you, there's going to be a story on my laptop when I die as a manager at a Walgreens, and that's what makes me a writer. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, that does, I guess, like, come down to we value money more than quality of life. But mm -hmm. um, it's just a weird thought that you can be like, oh, I, I want to. 
pursue the thing that I care about and that's what makes me happy and like most people are like no you gotta fall in line yeah like go get that job at Walmart you you need that job or or yeah. I could do what makes me I happy I make thirteen <laughs> fifty an hour last year I made twelve grand I'm not saying that I am the person to go following through this life uh, but I'm alive. Uh, I don't own a Ferrari. I own a Jeep that is currently still broken. I don't. <laughs> Just a little temperamental. Yeah. We're moving across the country. We're figuring it out. The mistakes that were made. But the biggest mistake that would be made is if, right, we sign out at this and then we never record again. Or we never write another story. Or you never make another film. That's surrender. And then you're just the nurse that works at Vanderbilt. And I'm just the guy that works in the pawn shop. And you've completely lost your own identity. Because you're exhausted from your fucking 45 to 60 hour work week. You can't listen to those fucking people. It doesn't make sense. That's not what they were telling us when we were kids. When they were like, you'd be anything when you grow up. So, well, motherfucker, I'm 28. <laughs> well, the thing that's funny about it, too. Just being the thing I want to be, and uh, you can hold your opinion to yourself because you're just a scared little bitch. <laughs> well, the thing that's, that's funny about it, too, is like most of those people that want to point those fingers and be like, well, look at how successful I am, and look at the job that I'm doing, and whatever. Yeah. Like, thrice divorced to get well, kids that won't talk to Not them. even that. Like, the people that do honestly have good-paying jobs, like general managers of mm. restaurants and stores and all that, like, okay, you may make really good money and you may be able to once a year afford a really nice vacation, but almost all of those people are every day watching the clock, counting down to go home to have a yeah. handful of hours yeah, to themselves. They go to work for 8 to 12 hours to have 3 hours worth of shit to do. Yeah. And they just sit there like zombies staring at a screen. Well, I mean, even and if we're you... in those trenches too, we're doing the same thing. Really, in your entire workday, is there more than three hours worth of actual work that you do? Well, even if there was, like, most of the time, like, those type of jobs are, like, not personally very fulfilling jobs. Like, I don't think anybody has a. a passion for being yelled at by irate customers, you know, or whatever. So they're high stress, they're not enjoyable, they're not fulfilling. So even if you had activities to do all day long, it's eight hours of, I don't enjoy this when I go home and I'm going to have dinner with my family and have a couple of hours to watch TV or tinker in the garage you're or whatever. You're stressed out by everything else that you're doing to enjoy the dinner with your family or to enjoy tinkering in the garage. Yeah. But that's like all you get though. Like even, like that's a... A nightmare. That's people's like, entire lives. And the you know, dear audience, I don't know if you've noticed Kristen and I are not tinkering around in the garage. It might sound like that some days, but this is a passion project. This is a thing that creates, you know, the escape. We're kind of tinkering though. We are tinkering. <laughs> But we take it seriously, but we're still figuring it out, I so mean, we are kind of tinkering. Yeah, no, but we're not, like, sitting here going, well, this is my escape. I'm going to work on the transmission for the sixth time, you know, with absolutely no passion just to have the silence. Yeah. This is an active work-related thing we do on our days off. Yeah. So, it's a pursuit outside of the drudgery in hopes of coming out of the drudgery. You know, I don't want to fucking live like this for the rest of my life, and I refuse. And when I spontaneously combust, you can say, I told you so. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just sitting on the couch one day, and just burst into flames. What happened to Brett? Oh, he, uh, he, he didn't get that job at Walmart. He and, uh, lost his job at the bank and he just fucking eviscerated now there is no more Brett Bloom. No, that's, that's bullshit. And everybody knows it's bullshit but everybody's scared and everybody has a right to be scared because 90% of the people are fucking terrified. Because what we're doing is terrifying. 
this is most more scared than I've been in like my entire goddamn life. You know, like I'm not gonna lie to anybody about it. More scared than when you went to Japan. A hundred percent more scared <laughs> than when I went to Japan because I knew when I got to Japan there was gonna be a person going. There's a bed. That's, yeah, that's true. We don't currently have a bed. <laughs> I mean, we have. I've a lived bed on here. military bases before. I was like, get to Japan, figure out how to get to Yokota. If you can get to Yakota, you're not going to starve to death. There's going to be food at Yakota. Like, it's a military installation. <clears throat> were you scared when you got out of the military, or were you glad? I was more scared of getting out of the service than I was about going into the service, because I grew up with my dad in the service, so I knew kind of how shit worked, you know? <laughs> like, oh, you go to the DFAC over here... And you know, you salute people that wear this insignia. You don't salute people that wear this insignia because I grew up around them. They came to my family barbecues. My dad was special forces. Like, <laughs> I knew all the top brass. You know, I was much more comfortable. And that's why I think I, you know, at a, at a level did it. Um, with the concept of 20 years of military service, have a pension, get a bullshit job on the far end and, you know, Relax and garage. retire at 35, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Be 40 years old, you never have to work again. If you don't want to work again, you can live a respectable life. And uh, that was enough. But there is a point where it's not enough to kind of like bow tie this whole thing. Um, where it's not enough and that dream is still tugging at you. And that can hit you at fucking 15, 25, 35, 45, 55, 85. It, it doesn't matter. You know? If that shit's still alive inside of you, you have outdone 90% of the American workforce. If you can still hear that... stopwatch running in the background going well he's gonna hear us eventually guys like the telltale <laughs> heart you know mm -hmm. it's in the back of your goddamn brain and you, you can tell it to shut up you can act like it's gonna shut up but it's you, you're looking at yourself in the mirror every morning brushing your fucking teeth and that part is still there lean into that motherfucker <laughs> I think for me the thing is um, you know some some people don't make it to be old and reflecting in their you know 80s 90s on their deathbed or whatever but like hypothetically if none of us got taken out by cancer or car wrecks or anything crazy like that at some point we're all going to be old on our deathbeds like reflecting on our life and you know, even if it's on a more minor scale or even if it's something a little more commonplace, like if your life's goal is to, you know, have a family and have a picket fence and that's all you want, you know, that's a pretty achievable goal for the most part. Like, most of us are going to end up getting married and having kids and all that, so it's a very achievable goal. But, um, you know, for the people that do have like bigger dreams and aspirations but don't pursue those things like we're all potentially at some point going to be reflecting on our deathbeds about the choices that we made and the choices that we didn't make and you know I, I could pursue the thing that I want to do and fail miserably at it and but you did it yeah like I could I could die poor and destitute but I, I know that I tried versus so oh I had with her zip lining. Yeah. It's like I knew it was going to scare the shit out of me, and that's why I had to do it. Yeah, but all right, the alternative is you, you die on your deathbed, and you worked that cushy job, and you got those promotions, and you missed out on all the things that you wanted to do with your life, and that's terrifying. And at no point ever were you going to spontaneously combust. The whole time you could have done it. 85 years you could have gone skydiving but you didn't couldn't make the time yeah that's, that's all we're doing I mean you and I were skydiving our way to Missoula Montana 
<laughs> now you've said it on the podcast. Might have to pull the motherfucking parachute. Go <laughs> right when we land. You know, some people get that fifteen thousand float. Some people jump high, open low. Yeah, I, w- I don't think I would open low. I'd be like, yeah. "This is where well, I'm I mean, supposed to do it." We are opening right? low. We're less than a month away from our goal. <sighs> we true. still don't have a point on the map. We are crashing towards the earth and at 3,000 feet. (laughs) Hoping I don't end up as brain matter on the cement. (laughs) Well, we've not been rejected from the university yet. We have not. There's no reason to lose faith. I think I'm going to leave it off on that because I think we've been doing this for our normal amount of time and I need a cigarette. (laughs) Been an emotional roller coaster of an episode. I love you. I love you more. I love you most. I love you even more than that, you lying harlot. (laughs) (laughs) Brad's uncomfortable with emotion. So. If you want to shoot us a message, I don't know, maybe uh, you're renting out a house in Missoula, Montana, or you're... Um, if you have pointers about... Moving across the goddamn country. Yeah, <laughs> that would be awesome. Reach out. You can shoot us an email over at... Nightmareboxproductions at gmail.com. Or you can send us pictures of your brand new house at... At Nightmareboxproductions. That's on Instagram. Or you can tweet us your twat. Don't tweet us your twat. Don't tweet me your twat. Twat your your tweet. <laughs> At Nightmare Box Pro. <laughs> you can go watch The Dolls, directed by Kristen Pennington, written by me, the beautiful, the effervescent, the barely made it through college, Brett Bloom. <laughs> <laughs> you can go watch that. Uh, YouTube.com slash Kristen Pennington. And you can buy said book, written by the monumental idiot. At <laughs> <laughs> the Nightmare Box blog. <laughs> And then it's uh, Cash Pennington somewhere. Just type it into That's Google. That's Twitter. K A S H. Bloom Brett ninety one on Twitter. Bloom Brett ninety one. Just just Google Shoot some your names. Questions. You know. Uh, Facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. Hit us up. Yeah, and like uh, my shit. Most definitely. If you guys have any suggestions or uh, segments that you think would be fun, or if you're an artist in the local area, like the Nashville to Knoxville area, who wants to come on the show, we'll sit down with you, record with you, and cook, and we're only going to be here for about another month. So keep that in mind. If you're in the Missoula area and you want to... Do the same. (laughs) Have a holy shit, we made it, let's get wasted party. We should definitely organize that. I'm calling Nick tomorrow. (laughs) I love you, sweetheart. I love you. And I love you guys. And we'll talk to you on Tuesday.